Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello, welcome to episode 82 of Broken Records, the podcast from the Riot Act chaps. I'm one of those chaps, it's me, Stephen Hill. Hello, how are you doing? And he's the other one, Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Renfrey. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Steve? Good, yeah, not bad, not bad. This is our podcast where we search for the worst album ever made in all of history. Good then. 81 albums so far and this is the 82nd mm. 82 records Renfrey mm. and I reckon I reckon about seven of them are actually good <laughs> which uh, is more than they should be really right because this is meant to be all bad records I reckon seven are actually really quite good I'd go as fast as I'm just looking at the list I'd probably say like 12 or 11 12 maybe. Well, you know, I'm looking... I mean, Naomi Campbell's number 69, and that's one of your favourites, so... You I know. like... So, my list of albums on here that would be good... This is a new thing that we've never oh, done new, before. Yeah, okay. Would be uh, Darkness, One Way Ticket to Hell and Back. Yeah. Lulu by Lulu Metallica. Mm. Fuck you. One Odd Minute by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. The Transform... <laughs> no, not Transform. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Transform is actually quite good. Sort of. Baby Woman by Naomi Campbell. Right. Stand in the Spotlight by D.D. King. I mean, is that good? I feel bad to say, weird to say it's good, uh, but I think it's kind of kind of good. Yeah, I, I mean, it's certainly enjoyable. It's, uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. Musically, I might even chuck in MTV 2.0 by Lauren Hill. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, somebody is pretty good oh, actually no it's not good. and on, and and guns and roses chinese democracy i think that's good actually it's mental but i think it's broadly quite good oh i think chinese democracy is it, like, when it's good i think it's outrageously good so yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah when it's bad it's not great it's not really a lot else there that i would say is actually you know okay good yeah got any more you want to shout out uh <laughs> you want to say bob dylan and you know i'm gonna go in don't bridge over trouble no no like i couldn't say that the entire bob dylan like i think there are there's the odd song on it which is tremendous but can i say that's Mm. a good record it's not a good album mate really it's not a good album no no actually i I tell you what as well i've got a soft spot for fisher spooner number one oh really that's a bit of a surprise I i went back to it and i was like I don't mind this. Mm. It's not good. It's not. It's not good though. Anyway, hello. By the way, hi. Um, hey, listen. We weren't here last week. We've sort of. I mean, if you listen to Riot Act, our weekly podcast, we've had a bit of a busy old period recently. So we're sort of doing broken records, probably like fortnightly for a little bit, and then we'll go back to doing it weekly. Don't worry. We did know that we missed a week, but sorry about that. We should have told you on. We think I did tell you on Twitter. But um, we'll probably do that for for a little while, if that's all right. And um, anyway, listen, as well, all the albums that we feature on the show, it's not just me and Renfrey, as we've already discussed by saying what albums we like on here. We're not just picking on albums that we hate. Albums are put in here due to their reputation, their critical standing, their fan reaction, 
their overall score um something controversial happening to the album something politically incorrect happening to the album or maybe it was just too much of a change and it just shouldn't really have been the thing i always give a little bit of a hint as to what we're going to be talking about in this bit and that's ultimately <laughs> what i've just done uh today we're going to be talking about other voices by the doors the seventh studio album from the la proto rock and roll band well not rock and roll but proto hard rock band is that how you describe the doors um, hard to say, isn't it? i think I, I i think the word psychedelic should be psychedelic in there. yeah um but not you know, a lot of that on this album, is there? Really, not an awful lot of it. Mm. No, but, but speaking about the Doors, you know, in general, like if the words like it feels like the words like yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, it came out on the eighteenth of October, nineteen seventy-one. And before we get into that record, I'm going to count down the flop twenty, the twenty shittest albums that we have covered thus far on the podcast. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original soundtrack, is number twenty. At some point, that's going out of the top twenty scary old week that is no longer in the top 20 <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. a agon quag by quiog og is number 19 six feet under's graveyard classics volume two is followed by testify blood sweat and towers by the towers of london hard to swallow by vanilla rice the rebirth by little wayne bonjour's just thrown a stuffed teddy down the stairs Sounds classic. like murder in my house. Classic yeah. bonjour. Yeah, and she's classic. taking it back upstairs to throw it back down again because she's just sort of aggro motherfucker, basically. She's Where they get to? Very aggressive. Cut the crap by the Clash. Corey Feldman's Angelic to the Core. Philosophy of the World by the Shags. Asshole by Gene Simmons. Total Zanarchy by Little Zan. Paula by Robin Thicke. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> forgotten about that album. Mm. Only a couple of weeks ago. You know, there it is. Uh, Bad Blood by Blood on the Dance Floor. Methods of Mayhem. Uh, by Methods of Mayhem, the True Symphonic Rockestra with Concerto and True Minor, Double Wide Uncle Cracker, Crazy Hits by Crazy Frog, I'm Not a Fan But The Kids Like It by Broken Side, and at number one, there it is, Far Abraham, My Teenage Dream Ended. Someone actually tweeted us and was like, look, it's a book as well. And I was like, it started life as a book. Mm. That's the the genesis of that. That's why the album is there. Anyway. I'm sure we mentioned that on the show, didn't we? We mentioned that on the show. Mm. Yeah, we did mention that on the show quite a lot. It's fine. I mean, we're not asking people to take exams and revise or anything. Although, actually, I think we should start doing that. We should really start doing that. Um, Maybe not so much on this record, though, which I think we have a fairly weirdly short show about quite a big band this week because uh, other voices by the doors released on the 18th of october 1971 i tell you what before we get into this i've just got to say because we've never spoken about the doors before it seems a bit of a shame no we've the first time we speak about them it's happened a few times on um this podcast the first time we speak about a really really great band mm. we're talking about an album which is a, less than a footnote in their career mm. i really like the doors a lot they were one of the first rock bands from that era that I really got into. I think I've said this a bunch of times before. When I was a kid, anything pre-Nirvana, rubbish. Do you know what I mean? When I first got into like alternative rock, I had a little thing where I was like, anything pre-Nirvana, rubbish. Not interested. Don't want to listen to it. Rubbish. Um, and there were a couple of exceptions to that rule. The Clash, Motorhead, the Sex Pistols, and The Doors were those exceptions. Oh, right. Yeah. And it was probably due to the fucking rubbish Oliver Stone film about the doors that came out around that time starring Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison, which I saw and back in the day thought was quite good. And I thought Val Kilmer was brilliant. 
think Val Kilmer is actually very good in that in that film. And uh, I bought the soundtrack, mm. and I thought the soundtrack was excellent as well. Mm. And um, it was around the time I started to really get into music a lot. And my mum said, well, I've got a load of Doors albums downstairs if you're going to listen to the soundtrack on CD. On vinyl, we've got LA Woman. I've got the self-titled oh, debut nice. Doors album. So I used to play them quite a lot. My mum really, really liked the Doors a lot. And so I like the Doors, is what I'm saying, basically. And I have done for many, many years. I'm Stephen Hill, and I'm a fan of the Doors. Yes. <laughs> yes, happy to mark myself down as that. So that's me. That's me, just putting it out there. But enough of my shit what about you Winfrey do you like the doors um broadly yes I think you know I wang on about identity an awful lot and I think Mm -hmm. certainly when you think of bands from that era late 60s early 70s uh well actually mid to late 60s isn't it I think you know they undoubtedly have like an extraordinarily strong identity it feels like they were influential on a number of different things you could say everything from like nick cave to aranzi pazuzu um which i think is extraordinary i think the doors are often used fantastically in film um you mentioned the oliver stone film which i have not seen i'll confess have you not well because because most people say it's rubbish so i'm like well i don't want to waste it, two hours if it's rubbish. it is rubbish once you the thing is it's it's only rubbish when you know about the doors annoyingly right right <laughs> I, I, I well i think the other thing that put me off seeing it is um you know they like do a spoof of it in wayne's world yeah it just seemed so silly like obviously that is played straight i'm assuming in the film Mm. and i'm just like come on so yeah so i've never really had a massive desire to see it yeah i I mean oliver stone is like um, i don't want to turn this into an oliver stone podcast but oliver stone is hugely hit and miss like when yes. when his films are good they're Platoon. incredible when they're bad they're fucking dreadful born on the 4th of july it's brilliant mm. um but yes but he does have some terrible jfk singers. is mm. fucking crap isn't it like goes on and on again, and on again and on. not seen it just just oh, sitting down just for goes, three hours on and oh just like, oh, God, he did God. like that three-hour film on bush as well didn't he i think he did w, w. It's yeah. fucking, that's fucking rubbish, that film. It's rubbish. This is turning into a look at Oliver Stone's filmography. Is, yeah. <laughs> and Wall Street, obviously, is great as well. Yeah. But then Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps is... A terrible. 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 Absolutely terrible. Um, that's, so, yeah, Natural Born Killers, Platoon. Oh, fuck, I forgot Born Natural Born Killers. Wall Street, great. You know what? Natural Born Killers might be my favourite. Uh, like i forgot he did yeah. it but it might be my favorite that film is mm. extraordinary i like it as well because quentin tantino hates it and quentin tantino being upset makes me happy because <laughs> <laughs> is, as much as i bit... like some of quentin tantino's films he is a fucking bellend isn't he to be perfectly honest the films of his that i like i absolutely adore i would go as far as to say pulp fiction reservoir dogs mm. jackie brown oh all, amazing you know but incredible he seems he's a like bellend a bit though, of a cock he? yes yeah. absolute bellend like i'd you know i'm sure oh, well, people probably say that about me they probably don't say <laughs> he's like quentin tarantino but they do say he's a bellend and you know they might have a point anyway basically i like the doors yes but my point well, uh, uh when we went off onto this filmography stuff i think the doors have been used extraordinarily well in films 
generally. Mm-hmm. I am mainly thinking of Apocalypse now, of course. Of course. Yeah. The end, uh, as in the song, the end being played towards the end <laughs> of the film. In terms of synchronicity with visuals and music, I do genuinely think that you know the the, the end over uh, uh, in, in Apocalypse Now is is probably one of the best examples. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it's amazing. I think every time I watch Apocalypse Now, I go on a little mini Doors binge. You know, but it's kind of weird that like it, it only really happens then. I I, I think. You know, I do have a few issues with the doors. For a man who loves pretension, I think Jim Morrison really can be very pretentious sometimes. Listen, like I I agree with you to be honest. Yeah. There are times where the doors are hard, yeah. hard, hard work. But I think their greatest material more than makes up for it to be totally honest because when they're good they don't yeah. sound like anyone else and i can only imagine how mind-blowing that sound must have been at that time well weirdly like to kind of to to, to link it to the uh, we didn't really speak about them that much but we did a whole bunch of stuff about the origins of goth when we did our typo negative patreon.com forward slash right podcast we did a classic album typo negative and the doors are one of the founding you don't sort of think about it because they're from la and you look at how bright and psychedelic a lot of it is but jim morrison that kind of dark poetry that he had to him is is genuinely like when i heard that i was like oh yeah Mm. oh yeah i never thought of it before because flowery shirts and hippies and you know the summer of love and all that kind of stuff Mm. and psychedelia but um or psychedelica not psychedelia smith i don't i don't know i don't know i'm sure one of our listeners psychedelia smith would be a fucking great name for a band right first that would be an arc tangent band comedy metal band (laughs) (laughs) anyway we'll probably talk about something by the doors on classic album one day i've already said the debut album and la woman i struggled between those two to know which one of the ones i would pick so we're going to kind of pick it up after the success of la woman i think that's a legit classic i don't think it's very controversial to say that la woman is a classic album renfrey to be discussed maybe more wasn't it from what i recall it was um it had like quite bad reviews when it came out but like people now consider it a classic but yeah i think the majority of people see it as a classic now yeah the producer said he he wanted wanted to walk out i think because he was he said it was like shitty kind of lounge music crap or something some of it he got like sort of funny about it and i think um yeah it was it was divisive at the time yeah yeah that's what i would say anyway so that came out in 1971 but kind of before that jim morrison famously had an incident where he uh he got his willy out, hadn't he? He got his willy out. He had a kind of indecent exposure conviction hanging over his head from a concert at the Coconut Grove in Miami, Florida on the 20th of September, 1970. He was uh, arrested and charged that evening. You can see that in the film The Doors with Oliver Stone, that event. Um, one of the better scenes in that film, I would oh, say. Okay. But Do you see Little Willy? Do you see little you don't see his willy, but you see him. you see him like going to get it out and then the sort of shock and awe and then the police coming on. I mean, whether that's exactly how it happened, I'm not mm. really sure. But basically, he was kind of arrested. He was, at this point, a kind of infamous person. Uh, Robbie Krieger from the band has 
sort of famously said over the years that the FBI had a massive file on the doors at this point and were keeping their eye on them. They were a controversial band. I think yeah. people probably know that that was the truth. They played their last show and what would be their last ever show with Jim Morrison on December 12, 1970 in New Orleans. And Jim Morrison had a kind of breakdown on stage, refused to perform at the end of the show. He smashed his mic into the floorboards of the stage until he actually broke through the stage and um, just didn't want to just didn't want to perform. He had a kind of full blown mental breakdown. This is 1970 and, you know, he's got this charge hanging over him. He's had this um, sort of mental breakdown on stage and the doors kind of do a bit of a Beatles and they sort of retire from playing live at this point. Not quite sure how long that was going to go on for that kind of hiatus from being an actual live band. But they did sort of retire as a live act. And a lot of it was due to Jim Morrison's fragile sort of mental health uh, state of mind, ability yeah. to, to play live. And with this kind of court order hanging over his head, Jim Morrison and his girlfriend, Pamela Coulson, famously moved to Paris to get away from everything in 1971, March 1971, I should say. And the band kind of reconvened and started to work on material for what was assumed would be the upcoming album and would include Jim Morrison returning to come back as a vocalist once he'd kind of gone over and sorted himself out for a little bit but famously as we all know that didn't happen as on the 3rd of July 1971 Jim Morrison was found dead in his bathtub in his flat in Paris by his girlfriend at the age of 27 another member of the famous 27 club sad you know we'll probably go into this more if we ever do LA Women on Classic Album whatever but that's obviously very sad Henry Rollins had this to say of The Doors when considering Jim Morrison's passing which I thought was quite interesting because obviously this is a long time after he'd passed and he did know what happened next but he said this anyway Morrison's passing stamped the doors with a seal of legend and immortality there was no opportunity for the band to go into 70s intact perhaps that's a good thing I can't imagine the doors in the era of disco. Well, that's a very yeah. I mean, can yeah, can you imagine the doors in the era of disco? I can't imagine they would have gone down that route. But then, um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, this is so often the case, isn't it? I think the doors definitely released material which you know wasn't great prior to this. But if you only release x amount of albums before mm. tragedy strikes it's likely that your discography and your career will be looked at very very fondly because you almost didn't have the time to make those mistakes i don't know yeah i mean it depends we didn't I mean, get the... that we didn't get that 12th nirvana album yeah yeah exactly and let's face it yeah. if nirvana had released as many albums of pearl jam have released now one of them would have been a dud like at least you know yeah. just like i mean i think pearl jam have a dud um uh, arguably a couple of duds but you know i'd say a couple personally yeah. but yeah, hey, yeah, yeah don't want to upset you <laughs> that's no it's fine. <laughs> it's fine in response to the death of jim morrison the band who you know as i already mentioned were working on new material clearly didn't really know what the best course of action was uh robbie kruger who is a guitarist, said, the three of us were practicing all the time, writing new stuff. When Jim passed, we said, geez, what are we going to do? We could give it up or, you know, we have all these songs. Let's just go in and record and see what happens. Now, the rumours surrounding what the band were going to do post the death of Jim Morrison 
are quite interesting. Possible replacements for Jim Morrison were mooted and have kind of gone down in legend over the years. One of them included Paul McCartney. Again, Robbie Krieger said, yes, Paul was going to play bass. That would have worked out great. Who knows what direction we would have gone off into if that had actually have happened. Paul McCartney uh, in the doors feels like an odd fit. Absolutely not. I mean, it's just the wrong, just wrong on so many levels. Fucking Mullen Kintyre replacing the Lizard King. Like, yeah. It feels like a, yeah. It's like, I mean, whilst I have already said, you know, there are times where I found Jim Morrison incredibly pretentious. He also did hit the bullseye a few times. And I think there were times when he was actually incredibly profound as well. And this is nothing against Paul McCartney, but I don't see Paul McCartney writing poetic, profound lyrics it's a completely different thing isn't it yeah and that's no it's completely different and 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 i am somebody who thinks paul mccartney's reputation in the beatles is slightly unfair the reputation he has of the kind of like you know lovey-dovey ballady one i think is actually slightly as we discussed when we did the white album on classic album i don't actually think that's a particularly accurate portrayal of paul mccartney's role within the beatles Mm. Mm. yeah but i do think as much as like you know paul to be more of the paul to be the kind of the the cuddly one and john lennon to be the you know the cool one i think is very very simplified and not really very accurate but paul mccartney still even with that in mind to be jim morrison is a hell of a stretch it's a hell of a stretch it's it's just like it is just completely wrong (laughs) it's it's it is incorrect that's the wrong thing to do a slightly better fit was icky pop who was mooted as a potential replacement for Jim Morrison. Now, that feels, aesthetically speaking, I think, like a more suitable replacement, but I still have my doubts about that as well. Yeah, it's definitely closer to the mark, but, um, I mean, the band would have had to change a, a, a fair amount. Like, I didn't really ever see the doors as like i suppose you could argue they had elements of punk but i didn't really see them as a punk band they're kind of pre-punk aren't they yeah Yeah, but and and, you know you could argue the stooges were as well but i think the stooges had much more of a i mean you know that's not to say that iggy pop wouldn't be capable of doing that stuff but uh, yeah i mean it would be interesting. There's nothing artsy about Iggy Pop, but it feels weird saying uh, that because he'd go off to go to Bowie, wouldn't he? And he'd go to Berlin and he'd do all that stuff. But I still look at Iggy Pop and I, don't, I think there's... Uh, even in the this latter period where he's done like post-pop depression, with which I thought was a really great album. And, you mm. know, like some of his latter material, I think when he kind of... That baritone came out and I think he's actually done some really cool shit over the past like 15 years or so, Iggy Pop as a sort of elder statesman but at this point you know what this is just before raw power comes out this is like around the time that he would have been touring funhouse yeah do you know what i mean like this is a completely different iggy pop this is yeah. like i mean the whole like cutting yourself on stage or smearing peanut butter down your chest isn't a million miles away from you know jim morrison in leather trousers getting his knob out and you know saying he's gonna fuck his mum and kill his dad like it's not completely removed but i think there was something more kind of ethereal and cosmic about jim morrison that was just much more kind of straight ahead like clubbing you over the head with iggy pop at that point and so i don't think that would have worked either Mm. but you know yeah it's an odd one both of them i mean you know one 
slightly better than the other but john densmore the drummer of the doors uh, has got a book called rides on the storm and there's an interesting little bit on it in, in that way he says i did feel it was compromising our integrity and loyalty to keep the original band name but when i kept prodding ray and robbie about what to call ourselves during rehearsals ray said we are the doors with or without jim so we went with it however the three of us figured finding a replacement would be impossible so ray and robbie sang on other voices um when this album came about they brought in extra musicians to try and sort of broaden out the sound of the band, including Jerry Sheff, who's the bassist for Elvis Presley, amongst other bass players oh, nice. um, and sort of percussionists who played on the record as well. Mm. But it seems incredible to me that the members of The Doors felt they didn't need to replace Jim Morrison. And obviously, this is why this record is here. Yeah. I cannot make sense of this decision, Renfrey. I cannot make sense of it. I mean, there are not many people. Whatever you think of Jim Morrison, whether you like him or you dislike him, and I think both are valid opinions, to be honest, there's not anyone else that really hits the nail on the head in terms of being Jim Morrison-esque, is there? I mean, he was very, very unique. I think it's mm. fair to say. I think Eddie Vedder was only three at the time or something, wasn't he? Very <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's funny because Vedder did get a lot of Jim Morrison comparisons, but I see very faint lines of connection between Vedder and Morrison. You obviously haven't watched the 1993 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction with Eddie Vedder being Jim oh, Morrison, have, or have you? I I have, and and yeah, and okay. and he, you know he's obviously a massive fan and and can do a good impersonation of him. But I don't think that Eddie Vedder in Pearl Jam is particularly Morrison esque. Like I guess they both even have... in the early days when he was climbing the scaffolding and jumping in the crowd and doing all that stuff, being really kind of. He was very, very enigmatic in the, in those early years of Pearl Jam. Mm. I mean, we're, we're getting slightly off topic here. As I say, I think there is a faint line. But if I'm totally honest, I think, and, you know, a lot of we've spoken about that period quite a lot and a lot of media did that. But I do think that probably the basis for it came from the fact that they look quite similar. I think that's where it started. And then people started putting other things together as well. But... I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, there is no influence of Jim Morrison on Eddie Vedder whatsoever, because clearly there is. But I don't... He was getting accused of, like, being a cardboard copy, effectively, of Jim Morrison stuff, and I think that's fucking insane. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's not that, but I think... He, he probably could have done but he was too i mean this is 1971 so he definitely couldn't have done it in 1971 obviously not you're right like jim morrison much like oh fuck me bon scott or lane staley or many many other freddie mercury yeah impossible in many ways in many many ways many real ways impossible to replace i think there's three people i've named who have all been replaced let's not forget Mm. they have been replaced Mm. But let's be honest, not adequately replaced. There's a lot of people who would complain about Bon Scott, you saying that, like, surely. I mean, I I appreciate that most people probably would say that Bon Scott is their favourite ACDC singer, but wouldn't... Yeah. I mean, look, everyone loves Brian Johnson. He's been there a long time. I guess he's the same thing as, like, Jason Newstead to Cliff Burton. Loads of people love jason newstead and think he's fucking brilliant and they're right but cliff burton's 
the definitive Metallica bassist, right? I think that's a very good comparison. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. Whereas, I mean, and the other two, like, I mean, Paul Rogers or Adam Lambert, yeah, you know, they do all right, but they're not They're not Freddie Mercury. No. I, I very much like being able to see Alice in Chains, but I am aware that William Duval, as much as I enjoy William Duval live and I enjoy his voice, and I think he's good, and I think the albums they put out with him, particularly Black Gives Way to Blue, are really good. He is not Lane Staley, and he is clearly not lane staley do you know what i mean like and i don't even think that's an insult i don't even think it's an insult to any of these people to say you are not that because mm. i think they are like they're kind of one in the million mm. but in every single one of those cases i would rather have the not quite as good or you know maybe slightly off replacement like a slight downgrade than have like you know suddenly fucking angus young singing for acdc do you know what i mean like suddenly yeah you know mike inez doing trying to do <laughs> lane staley's but like that is a fucking ridiculous idea yeah definitely ridiculous idea definitely all of those examples you've given have done a very good job of kind of like trying to get an essence of that previous front man without like totally trying to rip them off do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't think i think william deval has a staley-esque quality but i also think he has enough of his own thing that he brings to it for example yeah i mean not that the other members of the doors are trying to do a jim morrison on this record they well it doesn't sound like they are <laughs> uh, let, let's hope they're not yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean it it's um i think that you said earlier that one of the members said um even if it's just the three of us we're still the doors and mm. i don't want to be too spoilerific at this point but i think this album proves that that is not the case yeah. <laughs> bit, bit roger taylor that isn't it yeah, a little it's bit. a bit of a roger no no we were we i was just as important as i <laughs> i helped write i did the drum bit to radio to radio, gaga. radio gaga <laughs> It's like, mate, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's the same. Uh, anyway, um, to be fair to the band, because I think we're kind of we've, we've shot our wad slightly earlier with this one. Yes. The band have since acknowledged that they should have really taken a little bit of time between records and maybe grieved the loss of Jim Morrison for a little longer, as the album actually only came out three months after Jim Morrison that's died, mad. which is insane yeah uh, again uh, john densmore said looking back on that time now robbie says we should have let there be space a mourning period before we continued and i guess he's right but we were so fired up to go before jim checked out that we didn't really acknowledge his death and grieve and i think that is as much the problem as the decision itself yes i would agree because like i mean again i don't want to make this too fucking personal or whatever but like like when my mum died it was a massive massive thing in my life I took one day off work. I literally like found out about it at two in the morning, went to sleep, woke up the next day, didn't go to work. And then the next day I went into my office where I worked. I took one day and that was it. And I never took like, apart from, you know, going to the funeral or maybe like a, a day before or something where I had shit to do. I never took another day off. And I look back on that and I'm like, that's probably not the right thing to have done really mm-hmm. i sort of just thought to myself well what the fuck am i going to do what the fuck am i going to do i'm going to sit around my house moping what the fuck am i going to do but it just means you're, you're kicking the can down the road going i'll process all of this later on and i think that's a fairly you know common thing for people to do and it sounded like the doors did that i guess the difference is with me there's not an artifact 41 years later that is 
sort of testament to that slightly foolhardy decision. Yeah. Robbie Krieger said, it was a tough time, of course, when Jim was gone. We had kept going. The three of us were practicing all the time, writing new stuff. When Jim passed, we said, geez, what are we going to do? We could just give it up or, you know, we could have all these songs. Let's go and record and see what happens. We probably shouldn't have put it out that quick after Jim's passing. We just really felt like that was all we could do. We could have sat around and been depressed, which we were. But I don't know. The record company, Electra, they were wanting us to continue. It wasn't that hard of a decision. So again, as well, I suppose that's something to factor into it. You are part of a massive business and your record label are like, come on. Mm. where's the where's the album we got a, you know i'm putting words in their mouth here but you wouldn't be surprised to hear a record label going this shit's big news that jim morrison's died get a fucking album out wow yeah there are certain i mean obviously yeah we we can't specifically make those accusations but there are certainly many 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 stories in mm. the industry where that has been the case and i think it was more prevalent back in those days than it probably yeah. is now I yeah know, i think really. so i mean look you know like uh, no uh, that is pure speculation yeah, on, yeah. on our part but knowing the record industry yeah. uh like we know it i mean i really wouldn't be surprised especially I wouldn't be in surprised. 1971 no. No. no anyway so the album was recorded and it came out like most albums do apart from eros by deftones like a lot of albums from this period the kind of late 60s early 70s it is very hard to find any original reviews of the record mm. i found one oh from okay. our old mates robert christie oh here we our go buddy our pal <laughs> our uh our peer, in a lot of ways, Renfrey. Right, yeah. Our confidant. Sure. He said this, anyone can sing rock, but that doesn't just mean anyone. Richard hmm? Nixon can't, and neither can Barbara <laughs> Streisand. And I bet Peter Fonda can't either. Well, neither can Ray Manzarek. I mean, that is, I have a word count to go to. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well... <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just name like people who work at mcdonald's like <laughs> fucking yeah. every Robert, prime minister you, like can you can you do 800 words on this new doors album <laughs> uh, yeah i'm actually going to do one sentence and just name all people who shouldn't be in the doors has robert christogu ever done a 800 word review in his life no that's why he's on my day the longest one i've ever seen is about 200 words <laughs> bungle from rainbow can't be in the doors <laughs> the smash robots can't be in the doors yeah yeah, I'd like to see Peter it. Purvis can't be in the doors. <laughs> Richard Blackwood's <laughs> coffee enema can, can be in the doors? I don't know. Uh, anyway, well, neither can Ray Manzarek or Robbie Krieger, whose voices share one salient quality, uptightness. This record has some terrific moments, starting with the first hook riff and the musicians deserve their reputations but even a good singer couldn't do much with a line like to roam is my inflection and this band could use a good singer. C+. Classic Rock gave it 4 out of 10 in a retrospective review. Can't actually find the review, but it was a retrospective review. Mm. Uh, Record Collector gave this and the follow-up to this record, Full Circle, a combined 3 out of 5. They reviewed them both together, didn't give them their individual scores. It's a bit annoying. But anyway, they Mm. said, following the unfortunate departure of Jim Morrison from the building, the remaining doors were left in a dilemma. Bereft, disorientated and somewhat aimless, Messrs. Manzeric, Krieger and Densmore elected to accept Electra's offer and record two more albums. But given that none of them was much of a singer, nor did they nor did they much write either. They were bound to follow unfamiliar territory. Brilliant musicians, of course, so no problem there, but the creative department was found wanting. Ray's in the eyes of the sun, he sings and writes, sounds like a dry run for his later solo work, while Robbie's jaunty variety as a spice of life is datedly comedic. The bright spots burn in the instrumental passages of tightrope ride, hang on to your life, 
and ships with sails sensible enough to focus on their instrumental flair the doors trio could persevere gamely but no one can tell them themselves that they aren't convinced that this is a good idea neither album is a stinker though they cover up though the cover up for full circle is a gatefold monstrosity this isn't the best legacy to remember them by which i think is sort of fair enough but music gave it two and a half out of five saying you can't really blame the remaining three-piece for having or wanted to continue their well-renowned legacy of the band after Morrison's untimely death, but naturally this was not the way to do it. Other Voices crumbles under a style where playing safe is an absolute must. No more had experimentation or memorable rhythm played its part, and in their place arrived bland songwriting. Therefore, unless you are looking to complete your Doors discography, the band's seventh album should be left as it is. And Pop Matters gave it five out of ten, saying Manzarek's voice isn't terrible so much as bland, and that just won't cut it on a track that morrison would have turned into hard cider he can't be replaced and on the next track krieger doesn't bother trying his varieties of spice life sounds virtually nothing like the doors but it's easy rolling or shucks kind of vibe does offer a viable new course for the post jimmus era uh the records itself peaked at number 200 on the u.s sorry it peaked number 31 that would have been awful peaked number 31 (laughs) on the u.s billboard top 200 it was the first album by the doors not to make the u.s top 10 in fact the only album that the band have made that have not been certified in the u.s are the two without jim morrison on it so Mm. everything else has gone gold at least Mm. or silver at least i think gold is the lowest that they've been um certified most of those big albums have gone platinum apart from the two that they did without jim morrison which have sold pretty much fuck all but um that's all the facts i'm gonna ask you though renfrey like i always do what do you think of other voices by the doors um well i I think it's a a very i was about to say a very very average release by a a great band but even that feels a little bit kind obviously replacing jim morrison is just a foolish task to even try and you know the timing and all that sort of thing three months after he died i mean a terrible terrible mistake what a ridiculous thing to do just mad 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 i think those reviews are absolutely right i don't think either um ray manzarek or robbie krieger are quote-unquote bad singers i don't think they're particularly good singers either i do think they're very bland and you know again whatever you think of jim morrison i don't think you could really describe him as bland i think that would be a bit of a crappy criticism to be honest i think the material i mean it's it's strange isn't it because there is so much to the door sound and it isn't just jim morrison but i was really floored by how little this sounds like the doors and i was expecting bits and pieces to sound like i mean ray manzarek's keyboards you know i was expecting that to at least kind of remind me of the doors but this just felt like very generic late 60s early 70s psychedelic music i mean i say late 60s i know it was released 1971 but it did Mm. feel like it was a little bit of a throwback almost i mean obviously i wasn't alive at the time and it didn't it it felt like a very 60s record released in 1971 to my Mm. to my mind i think to to be fair to give them credit and i think you kind of throw that yeah, it's not even I mean it's not a criticism particularly because the album is so good but I think you could throw that at LA Woman I mean LA Woman came out in early 1971 right mm-hmm. so you could kind of go oh well you know LA Woman 
has got all the i mean that has a lot of as much as people will go like oh that's when they went sort of pop or they went loungy or whatever still the hallmarks of the doors are on that record yeah do you know what i mean yeah this barely has any hallmarks of the doors does it this album not like really I very mean, few i mean it starts very doorsy i thought mm-hmm. on the first track yeah in the and eye you of can the sun. tell yeah and you can tell that it's not jim morrison singing absolutely and it feels like it's maybe having a little bit of a go at trying to be a bit jim morrison jim morrison-esque mm, mm. but it's so obviously not jim morrison that it could kind of be anyone do you know what i mean yeah i think in the eye of the sun is you know hardly terrible but it's a little bit pedestrian i thought it sort of outstays its welcome a little bit doesn't it definitely outstays its welcome and spoiler alert probably one of the better songs on the record so yeah i mean look it's not not it's just not special yeah it's not special it's a fine decent version of that la sort of hippie era late 60s psychedelic early hard rock whatever you want to call it yeah it reminded me more of like the mamas and papas than it did the doors you know and the the mamas and papas were great but like i think you're right it's probably the most doorsy sounding track on the entire Mm. record probably and yet it still falls incredibly short it's very pedestrian and i think it is almost solely due to the lack of a vocalist with any kind of character in their voice at all like again like not a bad singer so this particular song was sung by ray manzarek mm. so you know as we've already said ray manzarek and robbie krieger sort of switch vocal duties throughout the record mm-hmm. and at first i was like mm, ray manzarek like it's kind of just pedestrian mm. but i think i'll take ray manzarek over robbie krieger to be perfectly honest yes i would agree with that because the second song variety is the spice of life sounds like fucking Chaz and dave <laughs> honky tonk comedy piano with robbie krieger on vocals and krieger is like a fucking pub singer with hiccups mm-hmm. mm, and you yeah. just think like he's that you're gonna let him replace jim morrison mm insane decision it just hammers home how fucking insane a decision that is again like you know this is not a bad song by the standards of songs when we talk about bad songs on this podcast yes right in terms of the broader sense of broken records this is never going to be brandon or whatever that mrs sexy that fucking song from the um the Paula that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago oh, could be all of them to be honest it could be all um, of them but to be yes. honest. yeah uh, there, there isn't actually anything on this album that made me want to you know cut off my ears in sort no. of despair if i'm totally honest but there's nothing yeah. there's nothing remotely magical about it either not at all and it, it like and it is just a bit wank it's like it's not a bad song but it's a style that i just go what is this fucking wank like this silly old wank and mm. it, it I, I was just like Again, like it does not sound like the doors. It sounds like fucking Chaz and Dave is what it sounds like. Robbie Krieger doing like rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Like, come on, mate. <laughs> Rubbish. I was going to make this point a little bit later with some of the later songs, but it feels like a decent time to bring it up now. I think something I was super surprised with listening to this record, and I don't think I'm as au fait with the doors as you are, maybe, but you know, I've heard a large chunk of their discography. Mm. There's an awful lot of throwaway material on here yeah particularly i mean we don't have to get to them immediately but the middle of the record tightrope ride down on the farm and particularly i'm horny i'm stoned oh my god oh my god just feel so 
well, throwaway. I don't really know another word for yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the Doors are, even though I like them a lot, their albums are pretty flabby in general. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They're kind of, they're, they're, they can be a fairly flabby band. And a lot, but the difference between a flabby Doors album with Jim Morrison is that even when you're like, where are you going with this, lads? It's because they're all off their bonts on drugs and they're just going for it. And you are like, kind of engaged. You, you sort of go, does Riders on the Storm really need to be nearly yeah. eight minutes long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really. Like, come on, it doesn't really need to be that. You know, you don't need that. Ma- that fame, I mean, famously, that whole middle section of Light My Fire, mm. it, depending on what day you catch me, is mm. either really, really amazing or just the most pointless. I mean, you're yawning just me mentioning that, so I <laughs> kind of feel like I know what side of the fence you're sitting on there. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it, sometimes I listen to it and I'm like, oh my God, just end. Just but fucking end this solo. I think that the difference here is material like I'm Horny, I'm Stoned in particular. wouldn't say that middle section of Light My Fire is throwaway. I would say it's self-indulgent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of things on here that you could argue are self-indulgent. I mean, I, mean, I think there's we also... We about argument- to get... Yeah, about to yeah, get to yeah, one of yeah, really. Um, yeah. I, I, I think there are... I think there are I, mean, I think there's an argument to say it might be one of the least self self indulgent Doors records, to be honest. But um, yeah, no, I, you're I, probably right. I say that, yeah. bring back the self indulgent. I'd rather have I'd rather have the self indulgence with th- these amazing flashes of pure genius and brilliance than a straight line. Than a really yeah, than a really bland, boring straight line with material about how you know you're high off your bonds and you fancy a shag, which is absolutely pointless. I mean. What, having a shag? Or the song? No, no, the songs that they're talking about. Having right a shag's right. not pointless. I'm going to say <laughs> the whole the reason why we're all here for someone Abs- had a shag. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ships with Sales gets Manzarek back on lead, and it's fucking AOR to start with. Mm. Proper fucking AOR. Like, I was like, no, no, lads, no, no, no. It sounds like Engelbert Humperdinck. Don't like that. <laughs> Goes into the psychedelic stuff a little bit. But it never sounds manic. Like, well, Doors, again, like, like you say about the self-indulgence at least sounded like they were their brain was frazzled. And they don't yes. on this, do they? They just sound like, oh, we're meant to do a solo. And it's, I think know. manic's a really good way to put it because, you know, there was a real sort of mania to the Doors at their best quite often. And I've already used the word pedestrian. You've used the word pedestrian. Mm. Most of this material, I would say, it's really very pedestrian even the good stuff yeah i mean i'm gonna fucking basically like get through this tightrope riding down on the farm neither of them do anything they're they're not even worth mentioning right they're they're really not tightrope ride is like a sort of it's back to that fucking honky tonk thing down on the farm is like a sort of country rock thing and neither Mm. like both of them are kind of fine but they're also not great right like i said very throwaway and we're talking totally about throwaway. a quarter of the record with those two yeah. songs Rubbish. i'm horny i'm stoned mm. is it's like a silly beatles song isn't it yeah yeah it sounds absolutely. like remember you're a womble remember you're a womble <laughs> i mean it actually predates remember you're a womble but that still doesn't make it any better because weirdly remember you're a womble is a is a better song then I'm horny, I'm stoned. And it I probably you were going to say it as a banger. <laughs> it is no, a banger. It, 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 well, you know. Um, Remember You're a Womble is a better song and it also 
tapped into more interesting themes on the human condition than I'm horny, I'm stoned as well. It's actually a more, it's a superior piece of art to I'm horny, I'm stoned, which is, for my money, the worst moment on the record of a record of 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 very little. <laughs> very little high points yeah unquestionably unquestionably i do think that run of tightrope bride down on the farm and i'm horny i'm stoned are like terrible 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 but if i had to pick one then definitely i'm horny i'm stoned absolutely rubbish yeah it's boring. cack yeah it's proper cack i thought though that if in the eye of the sun is in the eye of the sun the first track is either my favorite or Wandering Musician, the next song. I thought Wandering Musician, again, probably alongside In the Eye of the Sun, probably the closest they get to that classic door sound. Still (laughs) a way off. Um, And Mm -hmm. and to be honest, if Morrison was still in the band, I feel like it would be like B-side material at best. But at least I was like, okay, I I can hear a bit more of the doors now I, mm. I didn't hear any of the doors in the previous three songs but wandering musician i thought you know had echoes of it i i it's actually reminded me a little bit of um early elton john as well okay wandering musician All which right. i know you'd say elton john and the doors don't really have a lot in common but i can sort of see what you're saying but i think because it's piano more mm-hmm. than organ mm-hmm. um it had that like you know elton john's first couple of records are you know brilliant and do kind of lean into that kind of sunshiny la thing hmm. quite a lot as well so i was like oh, i was sort of reminded of early out and john which i'm perfectly happy to be reminded with uh, mm-hmm. reminded by and yeah i think in the eye of the sun and wandering musician are comfortably the two best songs on the record i would say we are in complete agreement yep. yeah yeah and hang on to your life is all very muzak isn't it all very yeah. hippy dippy and i don't really care for that so much either i have to be perfectly honest waste of time to end the record on, to be honest like yeah total yeah. waste of time total yeah. like elevator music like yeah. just you know like when when they said the doors when when they had that oh, i went on the on la woman oh they're turning to like pop jazz sell out soft rock whatever like there's nothing on that which quite is quite as boring as hang on to your life definitely which is not fucking boring mm. i mean look this album would be a perfectly normal acceptable album from a band from that time if this was released under the name of a n other band i mean obviously not like the beatles or pink floyd or something like that. but if it was like some random la rock band debut record mm. it wouldn't be here absolutely not because it's not terrible it's just totally unmemorable it's yeah. a sort of it's the equivalent of the sort of albums me and renfrey do 120 words for in metal hammer that just sound like architects or, or less, do you know yeah. what i mean yeah um, yeah 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 you know records and 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 bands that will have their fans but will never be i mean there probably won't even be a footnote in mm. the history of music you know and that's not to say that there's no merit in those bands there's plenty of merit in some of those bands but it's clear that the reason this is here is because this is three quarters of the doors you know this is going to score lowly lowly this is going to score low isn't it like uh yeah clearly because you know it's 40 minutes long it wasn't painful to listen to might have been more painful if i was a bigger fan of the doors but even then bar maybe i'm horny i'm stoned is there anything that's embarrassing on here 
no, no, just boring. Just boring. boring and sort of yeah. a bit shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, some of it, yeah. I'm just, like, I mean, I guess, again, this might be a, t- you know, we're talking about Iron Maiden and things being like a taste thing the other week with me. Mm. And again, you know, is it, you know, do, do people listen to varieties of Spice of Life and they go, oh, this is a jaunty knees up, like piano honky tonk. And I just think, I think it's shit and it sounds like Chaz and Dave, but the people who like Chaz and Dave, like fair enough, I don't, I don't dislike Chaz and Dave, but I, if I'm going to listen to something like Chaz and Dave, I'll listen to Chaz and Dave and I'll rarely, rarely, very, very rarely do that. So I don't see why I want the fucking doors to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a mad, <laughs> it's a mad thing. But you know, the, and the doors were a lot more than six out of 10. This is fine. If it's the first rock album you've ever heard. Yeah clearly sort of thing do you know what i mean and yeah. so that's obviously why it's here huh. but yeah it's it's not shit it's not absolutely shit it's just no. really fucking stupid of them to have done this mm. yeah that's what it is it's fucking it's silly but you know we've already discussed how their mindset might have been affected by various things so although i do think it's silly and it's folly and it's quite arrogant on their part I also think there are extenuating circumstances to even give them an easy ride for that as well. Mm. In terms of the aftermath of the record, they went out and toured the album with a few extra musicians to kind of flesh it all out, including headline shows at Carnegie Hall and the Hollywood Palladium. Within a year, the band had recorded their eighth album, Full Circle, which I've already mentioned, which would be their last record until the 1978 album American Prayer, which used a bunch of old Jim Morrison tracks that were unused until then. And that album is... Uh, that is not good, that album. Uh, I've never heard I it. I don't think that is good. Right. That is genuinely not good. It's very cash-grabby, isn't it? You know, I'm Really like, cash-grabby, using shit that no one ever should have heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I guess it happens, you know, like seven years after Jim Morrison passed, but it's still very much like, let's try and clear the vaults as much as we possibly... I mean, this stuff happens all the time, the amount yeah, of... all the time. You know, so yeah. with and you know, if you can imagine sort of some of the absolute mad wank that was coming out of Jim Morrison's brain that they didn't use. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. It didn't perform as well as anything the band had done previously. Um, full Circle. It was the kind of uh, even more of a flop than, than this record, and they split the doors in 1973. Arguably two years after they really should have, should yeah, have yeah, split yeah. when cds came in this album didn't initially get a release on cd some of the band have said that it's because they didn't have the masters to the album it's but it's also been suggested that it's because they're not really very happy with the record uh, mm. its first release on cd came in 2006 along with full circle which also hadn't been released in that point uh, it was released by the label timeless holland who i've never heard of before so it wasn't an official release either uh, it did get an official release by the band in 2011 for the first time when it was all made available on streaming services and they put it out on cd as well mm-hmm. robbie krieger died in 2013 which mm. basically destroyed any chance of any kind of doors reunion in, in any sense whatsoever although obviously both Manzarek and Densmore along with Krieger had played intermittently during you know the, the the years including as I've already mentioned the 1993 induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Eddie Vedder mm-hmm. taking lead vocal duties on Roadhouse Blues Break On Through and Light My Fire I watched that I thought it was very good that's great yeah it's really fantastic. good yeah uh, they did it again um, for the VH1 Storytellers in 2000 with Ian Asprey from The Cult Perry Farrell, 
Scott Wayland, and Scott Stapp from Creed. <laughs> Scott Stapp. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? What's, he do- What's Scott Stapp doing stinking the place out? I'll tell you what, <laughs> if fucking Robbie Krieger and uh, Ray Manzarek can't fucking replace <laughs> and Iggy Pop and Paul McCartney can't, Scott Stapp definitely can't. Yeah. It feels like another very sort of basic bitch take, doesn't it? You know, in, in the same way. I mean, I think there's definitely more in common between Eddie Vedder and Jim Morrison than Scott Stapp and Jim Morrison. Yeah. But maybe, you know, maybe obviously people like say Scott Stapp, you know, ripped off Vedder, which is true to an extent. So maybe there was connections being made there. But that is a, oh, God. I mean, yeah, don't want to hear that. Not at Don't want to hear that. Do not want to hear that. Mm. But, you know, listen, at this point, I mean, there's not going to be any more Dawsey stuff. I very, very much doubt they're finished. And they were a great band at the time. This is a slight dip and a slight footnote for a couple of years. But as we come to rank it, I mean, you know, normally you go, well, it's not terrible, but it was a bit of a fuck up to their career and blah, 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 blah. I think this is so irrelevant Mm. that I don't even think... Like, do you know what I mean? When we talk about the sort of Black Flag were one yeah. where we went, oh, it's really fucked up Black Flag's reputation and, you know, what were they doing and it's so poor and blah, blah, blah. Cut the and crap. we sort of said the Stooges, yeah, cut the crap, like by the Clash is another one. Mm. And even like the weirdness by the Stooges, you were like, mm. well, no one really gave too much of a fuck about it, but people do still mention it. I don't mm. feel like anyone even mentions this record. I feel like everyone's sort of given them a pass for it and I can kind of understand why because although you do go you should have stopped when Jim Morrison passed away. You should have stopped when Jim Morrison passed away. Mm. You didn't. It was a bad idea. There probably was pressure from record labels. There's probably pressure from fans. There was probably pressure from yourselves. You didn't know whether to replace him. You thought you couldn't replace him. You were under the impression that you were bigger, just as big with him as you would be without him. And you soon learned that you weren't. And fine, you split up and you did the right thing and it went away. And then it kind of intermittently came back with different singers who were, you know, for the most part, Scott Stapp excluded good singers. So I don't really have any kind of beef with this record. I don't think it's very good. Mm. I mean, I mean I'd mean, i rather listen to Baby Woman by Naomi Campbell. Uh, so would I. I'm going to say that. I think I'd weirdly... I'd probably rather listen to Finding Beauty in Negative Spaces by Seether yes. for the most part. Yep. I'd probably rather listen to Neon Twang by yes. the Twang. Yes. I'd probably rather listen to The Weirdness by the Stooges. Agreed. Yep. We're getting closer though. I'd definitely rather listen to Fisher Spooner number one because mm-hmm. I actually I'll think go with that's that. slightly good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd rather listen to this or Danzig Sings Elvis. I mean, you didn't mind Danzig Sings Elvis too much. And when I think about it, like it was much better than we thought it was going to be, but it still it wasn't was. Great, oh, it wasn't was great. It? I mean, to be honest with you, when I was looking at the list whilst prepping this, I thought Tin Machine Two had a lot of yeah. sort of similarities in that Tin Machine Two is not a great record. It's kind of bland, but it certainly didn't ruin Bowie's career in any way, shape, or form, or or any other the musicians involved with Tin Machine Two. I think personally. I probably would rather listen to Tin Machine 2 than this, but I thought that there was a kinship with those two records, mm. and hence I thought, you know, around, I mean, I mean, I would say 
probably between Tin Machine 2 and Danzig Sings Elvis. So giving it a place of 64, that would be my shout yeah. for where to put it. But I, I think that is, is just right, actually, because I think, mm. broadly speaking, Danzig Sings Elvis is slightly more, at the least, interesting. At least yeah, sort of interesting. Exactly. Uh, Tin Machine 2, I think this is better than Tin Machine 2 within the context because the doors split up very quickly. David Bowie did actually have... Qu- quite grand plans for tin machine yes he did yeah and he also had a harder 90s as well yeah so when you look at sort of black tie white noise yeah um and then tin machine coming out and then you know the albums that came after it like which weren't particularly well received at the Mm. time yeah it wasn't all kind of you know glory be for david bowie probably for a longer period than it was for the doors so i think that actually makes a lot of sense and i'm gonna whack it in there Right now, Renfrey, and I think that no, is uh, that is one of the easier ones that we've had to do. Yeah, yeah, weirdly, I think so. mm. because we both sort of agree on that pretty wholeheartedly. I think uh, I'm going to pick another one out of the hat. I hope we get something funny next week. Um, we're talking about the doors and just being like, got nothing positive or negative to say about it. No, yeah, um, just but yeah. Oh, we have got something fucking bizarre next week. Amazing. Lord Such and Heavy Friends by Screaming Lord Such. You right. wear Screaming Lord Such, Renfrey? Not at all, no. Oh, you're not? Okay, so Screaming Lord Such. All I know about Screaming Lord Such is he ran for Parliament a bunch of times in, I think, probably the 80s. Like, certainly as a kid, I remember Screaming Lord Such, he ran for Parliament and he used to wear a big hat. You know you got all comedy. He's kind of the precursor to, like, who's the comedy guy with the big fucking thing who wore the thing on his head? Um, when Boris Johnson got in, that guy was stood behind that. So do you mean like the equivalent of like the Monster Raving Looney Party or something like that? He like... was from the Monster Raving Looney Party. Oh, he was. Oh, okay. That's him. That's... He's the guy, I believe. Great. Okay. Well, that sounds like it'd be fun. That'd be fun. Get yeah. to... bit, of, bit of politics in it. A bit of politics in the old podcast. <laughs> bit of politics. A bit of bloody politics, mate. Oh my God. Jimmy Page is on it. <laughs> That'll be fun. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good God. Wow. And John Bonham. And Jeff Holy fuck. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Wow. Fucking hell. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I think that's going to be a very interesting listen for next uh, next time. Okay. Cool. Um, well, I look forward to that. Mm. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Lord Such and Heavy Friends. They are Heavy Friends as well. Screaming Lord Such. We'll be back uh, next week or maybe maybe two weeks. Just so you know. Um, don't ask us if, if it's not next week and it's a week after do our best we'll see you in a week or two weeks but um thanks for listening see you soon